Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. Looking back, much of what I did was an attempt to be significant somehow, to make a name for myself, even if people cursed it along the way, at least they were saying it. You could take one look at me and know, maybe it was the look I had in my eye, maybe it was the way I dressed, I don't really know for sure, but it happened. Even when I was a kid, people whispered about me. Sometimes they'd even say it out loud. This guy's trouble. (laughs) The wrong kind. How could I blame him? Every time I reached a fork in the road, I took the path of least resistance. (laughs) It all seemed harmless. At first in my head and then in ways that I didn't think people would notice. But then it became my way of life. It became me. I was everything wrong with the world. Indecent, immoral, impure the one to blame. (laughs) You know, I didn't mind being judged, but shame (laughs) that day, shame nearly killed me itself. See, up to that point, I'd been hiding in the shadows, but now, I was out in the light. (laughs) That day all my crimes were read aloud. No more hiding. And then they nailed it above my head. I hung there, blinding pain, but there was something, there was something that hurt worse. I found out who I really was. Someone worthy of being thrown away with the trash. Someone... Someone no one really knew. Or so I thought. Then he said it. Today, you will be with me in paradise. (laughs) And I could 
I could feel myself slipping away. Hope was gone. Any chance I had to make up for what I had done was dead. And I was getting what I deserved. Period. And he hung there next to me, dying for crimes he never committed. And he invited me with him. Who had ever told me that? Who had ever said, you're with me? He knew everything about me. And I barely knew him. But I believed him. And that's all he needed. And then he never let me go. Hope, hope was gone. I was getting what I deserved. Hope was gone. Can you imagine that scene? Can you imagine all of your crimes, all of your worst mistakes, all of the moments in your life you wish no one knew about or no one would have to see? Can you imagine that being displayed for the world, for for your enemies, even worse, for your friends? At that moment, there's no denying it is there. There's no hiding from it. There it is on display for the world to see. This is my story, and truthfully today, this is your story too. Happy Easter. Uh, My name's Adrian. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor at Church of the Nazarene. Uh, Today, Easter is happening not just here, but down the road in Elkton at our East Rock campus. And it's happening uh, in a couple hours, not just in English, but in Spanish at our Esperanza Viva campus. It's my joy uh, to pastor a church, a multi-campus church that's celebrating Easter today. And today, Easter is not just a good day. Maybe you came today, it's a good day. No, no, no. Today's the best day. And the reason it's the best day is because today is the day that your story changed forever. Today's the day that your story and my story changed forever. We're calling this series, uh, today's message in the series that we're in, the stories of your life. And Easter is all about your story, and it's all about the day that your story, the course of your story changed forever. Uh, We're talking about the greatest story. It's a true story, and it is your story and my story, because what we're learning is we're not just just reading, as we heard uh, during worship and we heard during our time, we're not just reading a story that happened past tense thousands of years ago, and we're kind of these bystanders just observing. No, no, we believe We believe that this is our story, and so throughout the series, we're entering into the story. And today, Easter Sunday, your story, right now, your story can be forever changed. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. If you have a a copy of Scripture with you, I'd invite you to turn there. If you're a, a Bible app user on your phone, if you're not, it's a really easy way, a tool. We didn't make it, but we utilize it. There's some notes there uh, about our message today. If you want to follow up later, if you want to dive in a little deeper, just look under events 
on the YouVersion Bible app, and you'll find us there. Uh, but if you turn with me to Luke chapter 23, you see in Luke chapter 23, it's the end. It's the end, at least it appears to be, because that's what the cross represented. The cross represented death. It represented the end. <laughs> end of story. End of life. Not just any kind of death. The cross was the worst kind. It was the most excruciating, the most painful. It was intentionally long, intentionally slow, intentionally painful. It was the worst kind of punishment that you could endure. It was a public spectacle of shame, of guilt, of embarrassment. All, all of the charges against you, right, on display for everybody to see. The cross was the end, but not in our story. Not in our story. You can't talk about the story without talking about the cross. But today, I don't want to talk to you just about one cross. I want to talk to you about three. Three crosses. Because as we see here in Luke chapter 23, what's happening? Jesus has been tried and convicted for crimes he didn't commit. He's innocent, but he's a man now uh, on death row. And not just on death row, but he's been beaten and he's been mocked and he's been accused. And now he is carrying his cross to Calvary. And his hands and his feet are nailed to the cross. And he hangs there suffering, dying for the sins of all humanity. The Son of God dying on a cross. But we see that he's not alone. He's not the only one there that day. There were two others to his right and to his left, sentenced to die. And so today on this Easter Sunday, we're going to take a minute and focus on this particular moment in the story. So I'm in Luke chapter 23. I'm going to be reading verses uh, 32 to 43. You can follow it on the screen behind me if you don't have it in front of you. It says this. The two other men, both criminals, were also led with him, him, Jesus, to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. So that's the scene, right? Jesus being nailed to the cross and on his right and on his left are two thugs, two criminals who deserve what they're getting, right? Verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers the teachers, the, the ones in charge of the law, right? That's who they're talking about here. They sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let's see him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers came up. They mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar. They said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. Save us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We, we are punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. I want you to, I want you to hear this humble prayer, this humble, simple request, right? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is 
the word of the Lord. Can you picture uh, this scene with me today? The criminal on the cross. We don't know his name. We really don't know anything about him except, except his crimes were significant enough that he deserves the death penalty. That's what we know. That whatever he had done, it was bad enough that his, his sentence was the worst of all, execution by death on a cross. There was other ways you could be sentenced to die. This was the worst. And so what we know about this man is he was sentenced to die the worst kind of death you could possibly die. There's, there's really not much else we know about him. But one other thing that we know is remarkable. Consider this. It's quite possible that no one in history had done so little and received so much. I want to say that again. Think about this. It's quite possible that there is no one in history who had done so little but received so much as that criminal on the cross that day. Think about what he had done. Think about, he was guilty by his own admission. Guilty, guilty, guilty. And justice was served. He, he was getting the just penalty for his crimes. And it begs the question, this story begs a really important question. And maybe you're thinking this question, maybe you've thought of it before, maybe you're thinking of it today. Is it possible that a simple gesture of belief after a lifetime of sin can result in immediate salvation? The answer is yes. Yes, it is possible. It is possible that after a lifetime of sin, of all, all of the things, all of the charges that could be written against him, that this simple act of faith, Jesus, if you followed his ministry, he called it a mustard seed of faith. Mustard seed is, is the, a pin tip, right? That small. You could have that much faith. That's all it takes, Jesus said. And in this moment, his mustard seed of faith is enough. Is enough. That's really that simple. The Messiah says, truly, you will be with me. You will be with me. You're coming with me. That is the power of the cross. That's the power of the cross. What Jesus did in sacrificing himself on the, on the cross was, was so victorious, so powerful. It's almost unfathomable to us. It's almost unfathomable that all it took was that simple act of faith, and that's all it took, but that's the power of the cross. That's the power of what Jesus did. But there's something even more significant, and you might think, this is a really strange story on Easter Sunday, because Easter, Jesus is alive, right? It's after the death. The death stuff, that was Friday, but this is Sunday. But listen to what Jesus says. This is really important. He says, you will be with me. Jesus is pointing to something that has not yet happened, something that is coming, something that he knows is coming. And if other people were listening and paying attention, he prophesied, he warned them, he told them that after three days he was going to rise again. So here in Jesus' last breath, some of his last words that he would ever speak, he's pointing to resurrection. He's pointing to the fact that, oh yes, he, he, he is dying. He will give up his life on the cross, but he's not going to stay dead. Resurrection is coming. And that resurrection overcame the power of sin and death. The resurrection of Easter marked such a sweeping victory. It overcame the power of all sin. Even the sin of a criminal hanging to die on a cross. I don't know much uh, about art at all. That maybe is not shocking if you know me. But uh, everything I know, pretty much, I learned in a college class. 
called Arts and Music. So college students, if you're in the room today, uh, shout out to you. Uh, keep studying, working hard. I do remember a few things. I forgot a lot of things from college, but I remember a few things. But this class, it was called Arts and Music. And I, I didn't hate it. I, I learned some stuff, right? But I, I remember as I was studying and preparing and thinking of you guys this week, I remembered something that I learned about the Renaissance. So many famous painters, and you might be really into art, and you'll come correct me later or tell me cool things that I'll forget. But one of the cool things that Renaissance painters did during this unprecedented time in history where art was just happening all over the, you know, it's happening now, but it was just this unprecedented time of incredible art, things that we still see and value and appreciate today. Uh, there was a motto, a slogan that painters would use. And they used it then, but, but historically it's been passed on. And, and the motto was this, every painter paints themselves. Every painter paints themselves. And practically, we see this. Some of you, again, you know way more about. But looking back, looking back on the Renaissance, some of you are like, why are we having an art history class on Easter? Hang with me. I promise it'll make sense. Uh, looking back, M Michelangelo, he famously painted himself on the Sistine Chapel. He hated it so much, he said it almost killed him that he painted a picture of him half dead in the corner. It's true. He painted himself in his art. Uh, another guy, Raphael, he did the same. He painted on the Vatican this beautiful, famous fresco painting, and he painted himself within it. Quite literally, one of the most literal examples of this I have on the screen. Again, bear with me. This is from an Italian artist named Caravaggio. Some of you know all about him and his work, but, but this, this, what you see on the screen, is one of the most literal interpretations of this because this is a picture uh, entitled uh, David and Goliath. And there you see David holding the head of Goliath, but that's not Goliath's face. Caravaggio, the painter, painted his own face on the head of Goliath. He was having a bad day, I guess, right? right? For whatever reason, <laughs> however he was feeling that day, he was really relating to whatever Goliath had felt in that moment. Why? But beyond this, this is a very literal interpretation, and I use it to make a dramatic point, but beyond this literal interpretation, why did artists do this? They understood something. They understood the importance of placing themselves within their art, within their work. They weren't just painting something objectively. They weren't just telling some random story. This was their story. And time and time again, throughout the Renaissance and then throughout history today, we see artists put themselves within their work. They were not just telling a story, they were telling their story. Here's the truth of Easter. Why, why do I say all of that? Here's the truth of Easter. As we read the pages of this story, we paint ourselves. Now, we're not the master artist, are we? We, we know there's a God who, who's done that. But, but as we read this story, we're not just bystanders kind of observing something that happened, past tense, and oh, isn't that cool, and we're just subjective. No, no, no. We, we enter into the story. We, we ask ourselves, where are we in this story? Just as those artists painted themselves, right? We look into the story with fresh eyes and say, if this is the story of God for all humanity, for, for me, for us, where am I in this story? Where am I in this Easter story? So it brings us to the question we're asking throughout the series. Why? Why this story? Why here? And really the most important question, where, where am I in this story? Where do I find myself in this story? Well, 
why, why this story, there, there may not be a more dramatic statement of grace in all the Gospels than this. A man with crimes, a longer list of crimes than you and I could ever read, right? Hanging, getting exactly what he deserved, and yet in his final moment, in his final breath, is given grace upon grace upon grace that he does not earn and he can't pay back. This is, this is a beautiful story of grace. And there's no doubt that this story included right here. Remember, this is some of the last words Jesus would ever speak. And it's offering forgiveness to a criminal who deserves death. That should speak powerfully to us today. That should tell us all we need to know about the gospel. But there's something more as we look at this story and as we think about us and we think about where we find ourselves in this story I want us to consider, I want us to consider the cross to the left and the right of Jesus. So uh, you can see, uh, and, and those watching online, you'll see in a minute, uh, we, we have uh, some crosses up on our stage, right? So uh, I want to use these crosses this morning to visualize, to visualize again the story. We are entering into the story. So we're not just reading something, historical account, we're going to enter into the story. And so I want you to imagine with me today, uh, that Jesus, of course, he was in the middle, but there was one on, on his right and one on his left. And so I want to use these crosses this morning to kind of represent and help us to, to identify with, with these characters. So I want you to think about what these two are on each side of Jesus, what, what they had in common. They're both guilty. There's nothing that we read that leads us to believe anything different. They're both suffering. They're being crucified. They're in intense agony and pain. We see that. They both see who Jesus is. How do we know that? Well, the story is clear that Jesus' sign over his head says, this is the son, this is king of the Jews. These are the charges against him. They both witness firsthand. This is Jesus, king of the Jews. Both of them hear Jesus pray. Jesus prayed from the cross. Father, forgive them. As he's being, uh, as he's being executed, he's praying for those that are hurting him. Father, forgive them. Both of them witness this, hear this kind of prayer. They had a lot in common, right? Both of these criminals wanted to be saved in their own right. They're in pain. They're experiencing punishment. They want, it, they want this to stop in their own way, right? There's a lot that these two criminals have in common. But now, now I, I want us to think more specifically because I'm going to propose to you today that as we look into this story, that these criminals really represent us. Now, look, if you're visiting today and you're like, this guy doesn't know my story. He's calling me a thug. Okay, okay, bear with me for a minute. I think you're amazing. You look lovely today, by the way, okay? And you smell pretty good as far as I can tell from up here. But bear with me for a minute because I think if you'll journey with me, you'll see why our place in this story is pretty clear. You see, there was only one on the hill that day. There was only one truly innocent man on the hill that day, and that was Jesus. And the truth is, the Bible says, he's the only truly innocent one that's ever lived. He was the only one truly holy. He was the only one who, who really lived a life without sin. The rest of us, you and me included, we sin. We fall short. And I don't think that's news to you. I think you know that in your life, and I'm not, I'm not here to shame you for that. I'm just here, let's just call it what it is in our lives, that we, we sin, we fall short. We're born with, with this 
as, as beautiful as you are and you're created in the image of God, we're also born with this nature towards selfishness. And that nature, that sin in our lives, it produces a whole lot of mess. It produces, I don't have to convince you of that. Look around you. Look in our world. It's a mess. Why is it a mess? Because we are living in the midst of broken, fallen people, sinful people. And on our own, we, we are a mess. As much as we try, as much as we do our best, that sin in us, it just leads to brokenness. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And again, I don't have to prove that to you because you see it all around you. That sin in your relationship, selfishness. In our world around us, that selfishness, it just leads to brokenness and despair and heartache and ultimately to death. And so as we picture the scene on that day, as we picture Mount Calvary, there was only one really, truly innocent one that day. The other two deserved their punishment. Their crimes were clear and their punishment was just. And truly, on our own, we can try and try and try. But we can't overcome. We can't overcome the mess of sin that it creates in our life. So the question today is not if we're guilty. The question is not if we fall short. We all have. We all do. The question today is how will you respond? Because that's the difference between this criminal and that criminal. That's the difference. They had so much in common. The biggest difference in this story is how they respond to a holy, sinless Savior hanging on the cross. Journey with me for a minute, okay? Think about this guy. This guy... Uh, He's listening, he's witnessing, he's seeing everything that's happened. And, and the Bible says he's kind of jeering. He's kind of throwing some insults. Now, you got to have a lot of audacity to be hanging, dying on a cross, and hurling insults at the other guy dying next to you. But that's what the story says. This guy receives all the same information this guy does. He's seeing all the same things, but how does he respond? In anger, in bitterness, he's broken, he feels hopeless. So how does he respond? Yeah, you're God, right. Do something about it. Save me. Yeah, he wants to be saved, but really, he just doesn't want to experience pain anymore. So, hey, if you can do something, do, do it now, right, right? His heart, his attitude is one of anger. I'm sure he's afraid of, of death. I'm sure he's in agony, but, but how does he respond? How does he respond? Really fear, anger, lashing out. And the truth is, hey, the truth is some of us, in response to the mess in our life? Isn't that how we respond? I've been angry. I've been mad at God. I've looked at the mess in my life and said, whoa, 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 I thought you were God. Fix this. I can relate a lot to that guy in the midst of my suffering and pain. Saying, come on, Jesus. Pay attention. Do something here. I think that's a heart. That's an attitude we can all relate to. But that's, that's not what led him to experience new life and salvation in those final moments, is it? Now let's think about this guy, right? We know how this guy responds. Again, they have the same information, right? They're witnessing the same thing. But this guy over here, he responds a little bit differently, doesn't he? A lot differently. He's guilty, but he knows it. He humbles himself enough to admit 
Admit his mistakes. Admit his failures. Admit the ways that he doesn't deserve to be forgiven. He doesn't deserve the love of Jesus. But, but in his humility, he admits, he confesses. And really, there on the cross, we see a sign of repentance. What is, what is it that he prays? Jesus, remember me. Jesus, remember me. Do you see the difference? <laughs> this one, anger, lashing out, and I get it, man, I've been there. But this one humbles himself enough to say, wow, I, I see what I've done. I regret my mistakes. I see the pain I've caused myself and others. And in those final moments, he turns from that. He doesn't let pride and fear and shame build this wall that he, no, 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 he, he, he just has the audacity to believe that a simple prayer offered in faith would be enough. And it was. That's the difference. That's the difference. See, the question as we place ourselves within this story is, how do you respond? How will you respond to the mess in your life, to the brokenness in your life, to the sin in your life? How, how will you respond? That's where we find ourselves in this story. Scott and John are going to help me because there's another cross, right? <laughs> You're paying attention. You know the story. There wasn't just two crosses that day, was there? So they're going to help me. Don't get worried. They won't drop it on you. We practice this. Some of you on the front row are like, I knew we shouldn't have sat this close. Thanks, guys. We're going to we spend a minute examining the cross to our left and our right. I'm going to come down and join you on the floor because um, some of you want to be able to see my face. Some of you don't need to see my face. I understand. But we spent some minute examining these guys, right, in the story and kind of reflecting on our place. But now I want to close reflecting on on this cross. Because the truth is, this cross represents the cross where Jesus paid the price, where he laid down his life. Why would he do that? Because our sin, the punishment for our crimes, we could never be enough. We could never truly save ourselves. And so Jesus became the sacrifice so that no, no matter how lost you feel, no matter how far gone you think you are, he made a way. He made a way so that even that mustard seed of faith, you could be forgiven. If that guy dying up there on death row, if he could be forgiven, what, what can't the power of the cross do in your life? What can't God forgive in your life? The thing I want you to remember today, it's a truth that we see from this story, and it's a powerful thing. I'd encourage you to write it down, to take it with you, is everything that you need today for salvation is found on that middle cross. Everything you need, everything you need to find salvation in your heart and in your life is found because of what Jesus did on this middle cross, laying down his life, overcoming sin and death. On this cross and that cross, we can't save ourselves, right? We deserve the fruit of whatever is happening in our life. But thank the Lord, thank God, Jesus came to pay the price here for us on the middle cross. I love what Pastor uh, 
Alastair Begg, he, he was talking about this scene, and I want you to imagine this scene with me today. I want you to imagine this criminal, because before he breathes his last, right, he cries out, and Jesus forgives him. He says, today you will be with me. And, and so imagine that scene as he arrives on the doorsteps of eternity, as he arrives at heaven, and I don't know who's there. I don't know if Peter, everybody acts like Peter's at the gates of heaven. Maybe that's True, but but I don't know who's taking attendance. I don't know who's checking people in. But can you imagine as that guy who just suffered and died on the cross and Jesus says, hey, you're coming with me. Can you imagine as he arrives on the doorsteps of eternity? And they're asking him this question. How did you get here? You, I didn't see your name on the roll. I didn't see, we didn't know you were coming. How did you get here? And can you picture this man who just moments ago, he was a murderer, a crook, a liar, a thief. Can you picture as he arrives and and they ask him, how'd you get here? And he says, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, I don't know. Well, did you get baptized? Well, no, I, I didn't. Did you volunteer at your church? That's really important that you volunteer. The pastor says that a lot. Well, no, I, I never did that either. Can you explain to me the doctrine of entire sanctification? No, I can't do that either. Well, how did you get here? Can you imagine in that moment, in his exasperation, he says, I don't know. All I can tell you is that the man on the middle cross said that I could come. And the truth is, that's the right answer. It's the only right answer. It's the only reason any of us, any of us deserve the gift of God given for us. None of us on our own. None of us deserve. None of us can. It's it's because of what was done for us, the gift of Jesus, that we can experience life. I love what, what author Philip Yancey says. He writes it this way. It was another shocking reminder that grace does not depend on what we have done for God, but rather what God has done for us. I want to I want to say that again because some of us today we don't believe that. It's the most powerful message this Easter. The shocking reminder, grace doesn't depend on what we've done for God, but rather what God has done for us. He continues, ask people what they must do to get to heaven. And most reply, well, I got to be good. But Jesus's story contradicts that answer. All we must do is cry, help. God welcomes home anyone who will have him. And in fact, he has made the first move already. Today, you might think you're not welcome. You can't be welcomed. You're you're too far gone. Your sin is too great. Grace for you has always been a ladder. You got to climb a wall. You got to get past. You've been so stuck or so lost or so overwhelmed by religion and rules and things. But, But there couldn't be a more simple, beautiful picture of grace than on that middle cross as the most undeserving, right, in his moment. Jesus, would you remember me? Jesus already, he already took the first step. He already made the first move and just in response. Not anger and fear and, and lashing out, but just in humility saying, Jesus, Jesus, help me. And the truth is, he's, he's already done everything that you need the grace that you so desperately need. 
It's quite possible that no one in history has done so little and received so much. I'm not talking about the thief on the cross. I'm talking about me. It's quite possible that none of us, none of us really can comprehend a grace so beautiful. Today, are you experiencing life? Have you received grace in your life? We all need it. But today, are you, are you experiencing grace, life, hope? Today, if not, if you're over here in the punishment and, and, and the sin and the things and the choices that you've made and you just feel guilt or you feel shamed or you feel angry and you feel mad, and I am so glad you're here today so that you can receive a message of grace. None of us earn it. None of us deserve this kind of grace, but today it's offered for you and for me. So I wanna ask you today, I wanna invite you to um, bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. This is a really simple message, but I believe for some of us today, it's profound because it changes your story forever. So today I wanna give you the opportunity to have your story changed forever. I don't know your story so far and I don't need to. I don't know how broken your story has been up to this point, but I don't, I don't need to. Everything that you need for salvation is found on that middle cross. All you have to do is say, Jesus, remember me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, I need you. That's enough. That's enough. It was enough for Jesus. It's enough. So uh, today, I want to just pray for you. I want to give you the opportunity. If that's you and you know who you are, you don't need to stand. You don't need to wave. You don't need to do anything except just right now in your heart. Just those two words, maybe three words, Jesus, help me. If that's your prayer today, that's enough. Jesus, help me. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to put my faith and trust in you. I, I want what that guy had. I want what that guy received. Grace, forgiveness, freedom, new life, a second chance, a new story. So today, if that's your desire, just right now, whisper that prayer to him. Jesus, help. Jesus, I need you. So God, I pray now for my brothers and sisters, for my friends, for guests and visitors who showed up today and somebody invited them here and they desperately want this story to be true. Maybe they've never heard it presented this way or maybe religion has made it so complicated for them. But today I just pray they would receive the gift that you offer to us. Some of us are in pain today. Some of us feel broken today. Some of us might feel angry because of the mess in our lives. And Jesus, Jesus understood that. So we don't have to run from those feelings today, but I, I just pray we would make a choice today, not to run from you, but to turn towards you. Just say, Jesus, help. I don't understand. I can't explain. I don't, I don't know why all of this is happening in my life, but today I choose to trust and I choose to ask you for help. Jesus, help me. Thank you. Uh, God, thank you for the gift of Easter. And thank you right now that there's new life around the room. And there are people today in the sound of my voice who are whispering that prayer. And just like that criminal on the cross, your grace is being extended, lavishly poured out on their life. Today, would they receive that? The grace 
the grace. Thank you because of Easter, because you conquered death and you overcame, you, you rose back to life. Lord, thank you. There's nothing too hard in our lives that you can't overcome. In the name of Jesus, we pray. God's people say amen. Amen. If you believe Easter is good news, would you say amen? It's good news today. You may not understand it yet, but believe today in faith, that mustard seed of faith. It's good news. It's good news for your life. It can be good news for you today. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.